Wednesday, November 19th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Fool.com, Mark Reith. Happy Wednesday, gentlemen. Happy Wednesday. We're talking retail and restaurants, and shareholders of these stocks are having a good day. Mm. You know, and that's and that's nice. It's the theme it? today. It's a winning Wednesday. Because right. certainly so when it's earnings season, there are plenty of days we come in here <laughs> and it's all red. Sure. It, that's not one of uh, the days we're dealing with today. Let's start with Lowe's. Yesterday we had Home Depot. Today we got Lowe's. Third quarter profits up 17%. They raised guidance. Shares up around 6% today. I, I mean... Where's the downside? I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, I mean for, And for a while... Hmm. I mean, we can talk more about this later, but for a while, Lowe's was really kind of struggling. They they are doing a heck of a job lately. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I have not had a chance to go through the call yet, so maybe I could nitpick uh, somewhere, but, but that we'll, we'll leave that for a later time. I mean, I, I think that, yeah, what the quarter they brought was just really, really solid on all fronts. Uh, Same-store sales comps that we talk about all the time in retail were up 5.1%, and actually, Home Depot was up 5.2%, so very similar, similar numbers there. Home Depot is, is Far larger than Lowe's, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean Lowe's is is uh, a poor investment. Uh, I was looking at, th- at this earlier today, and just since 2010, it's been interesting to see how the company's grown sales 17% over that time. Share account is down over 30% during that. Time. They're just buying back shares hand over fist, and they've done a pretty good job of it. I mean, the stock is up 150% over that same period of time. So, so shareholders have certainly been very happy. And I think this just kind of ties the bow on what we were talking about at the beginning of earnings season, uh, when I was I was going to be watching housing and housing-related stocks because we've seen on one side of the coin, Home Depot and Lowe's brought great quarters. I, th- I think that their scale, along with their breadth of offerings, uh, gives them an advantage over something like those niche players like lumber liquidators, tile shop, even the container store. And so you look at those charts year to date. And, and that chart tells the story. I mean, Home Depot and Lowe's have done very well. You know, those other niche players have done very poorly. It's been a tough year for them. It's not to say they can't bounce back. I'm sure they will. And this may actually be an opportune time to look at those stocks. But, but I think for long-term shareholders, folks who are looking for five, ten years down the road, you know, Lowe's and Home Depot together present very compelling arguments. And Mark, we didn't see yesterday, even though to Jason's point, Home Depot had similar. Same store sales numbers, similar profit numbers. The stock didn't get the bounce as you guys talked about yesterday. Some of that was sort of baked in. Right. Um, but this is as good an example as exists that I can think of uh, of the idea that you can have more than one winner in oh. a given industry. I mean, they're competing head to head. But if you own both these stocks, you're doing just fine. Right. Simon Erickson put it pretty well yesterday. Uh, it's Coke and Pepsi. Both are great companies. Uh, Home Depot and Lowe's have been firing on all cylinders. As the housing market recovers, they have just shot through the roof. Uh, and Dave Kretzman, to continue quoting from yesterday, he put it really well. Both companies are kind of impervious to the Amazon effect, where Amazon just comes into an industry and rolls over everybody in it. People want to come into stores. They want to see what they're buying. They want to talk to an expert. Lowe's and Home Depot, they have a huge moat in that regard. Housing market's going to continue to do well. People are going to continue to build homes and you know renovate the homes they've already got. I, I see Lowe's and Home Depot uh, neck and neck just continue to do well. Although, the one one factor that Lowe's has in its favor, the Osh robot. The what? The Osh robot. Have you not heard about this? I have not. Well, you don't get your news from John Oliver's last week tonight, <laughs> like I do. Um, on the show, they revealed that 
uh, at a orchard supply uh, uh, company or orchard supply location out in California, uh, Lowe's for late November will be bringing out two robots called the Osh robots. They're these big white robots that roll around. They have screens on the front and the back. You can ask it to find something in the store for you. And then while you're following along, the screen on the back will show advertisements for other things in the <laughs> store. It, it uses the same laser guidance technology as Google cars do, so it can weave its way around different obstacles in the store. I, if Lowe's is already investing in robots, I'm in. I'm going to predict right now that that is either going to be really successful mm-hmm. or really unsuccessful. That just seems like one of those. This this might be great, mm-hmm. or this might go so horribly wrong. When do, when are they? It's later this month. Late, late November, I think it's probably going to be around Black Friday time. Okay, so let's let's all three of us agree <laughs> that I'm not saying in perpetuity, but certainly by the end of 2014, let's keep our eyes peeled. Mm-hmm. For a story of something going horribly wrong at one of these locations, right? There are only two at a orchard supply hardware <laughs> okay. company in uh, San Jose, California. But uh, game changer. We may have to make a field trip. <laughs> Worth it. You see, just you pulled a little Ron Gross on just, there, firing on all cylinders. Yeah, you, did. you like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You now have to pay Ron Gross a, a little uh, <laughs> royalty fee for that. Um, Lowe's trading at an all-time high, even factoring in. The the share buybacks, which kudos to them, because as we've talked about before, a lot of companies get that wrong. Do you like it at this price? Um, you know, I like it. I like Home Depot too. I, I I would give Home Depot the edge simply because of their scale. But you know, to your point about Home Depot maybe not feeling the same type of of pop that Lowe's uh, you know is is seeing today. Part of that is because Home Depot is so much larger. I mean, there's a little bit more room for growth there with Lowe's. And CEO Bob Nibelock there at Lowe's, he's been there since 2005. He's he's done, obviously, a very good job. He's kept things sort of of uh, running with with that longer term uh, sort of horizon in mind. So yeah, I mean, I I think I'd go I'd go with a basket of Home Depot in Lowe's. And and I think that Mark's point about the Amazon effect is is right because they. They are going to be relatively impervious to that. They they are those stores where people kind of have to go there. They have to see the offerings to basically get an idea of what exactly they're looking for. You see these companies investing in their online, their digital presence, and that's going to be more incremental. The e-commerce revenue that they generate over over time, it's it's maybe two percent of Lowe's you know top line figures today. It's not going to be something that that takes the place of the physical presence there. I think the physical presence in in these stores is is more or less needed. Well, and don't forget uh, as we've talked about. For the retirement effect, when you consider oh, yeah. how many thousands of people are retiring every single week in America, and they're looking for something to keep them occupied, home improvement is one way to do that. Uh, here's something we haven't said in a while: Target's quarterly profit came in higher than expected. <laughs> uh, shares up around five percent today. Mark, was this uh, was this a genuinely good quarter or? It, were expectations to the point where it, it, it was almost inevitable that they were going to be? I, I shouldn't even put it that way because this was genuinely a surprise. Mm, so, true. but I, I guess my question is, how low were the expectations? You know, expectations they were a little low. So, Target, the big thing that's been hurting them for the last year, I guess, was this big data breach, uh, the big hack attack uh, about this time last year, actually. Plus, their their efforts in Canada were kind of lacking. So, analysts haven't been giving it very much credit recently. Um, but the beat, I mean, if if these were uh, if this was a low bar, then Target just wiped the floor with them. They they made 
was it, 56 cents a share. Uh, analysts were expecting 47 cents a share. Revenue increased to $17.73 billion. Uh, analysts were expecting a little bit better than that, but I, I don't know. It feels yeah, like this was, th- let's be clear. This was yeah. not beating by a penny. This was no, not no, no. squeaking was, over This was the a line. good. This was a good. Qu- it feels like a good quarter. I like to think that new CEO Brian Cornell is starting, hopefully, to turn this thing around. And I, I have confidence in him. I have faith in Target. I think it's a, a good company deep down. Uh, I, I, I love what they're doing uh, in the digital side of things. You know, uh, one of the stats I saw from this quarter where comp store sales. Rose 1.2 percent year over year. Half of that increase came from brick and mortar. Half of that came from the company's digital channel, and where they're trying a lot of new different things. They have Apple Pay. Uh, they've got free shipping on online orders during the holidays. Uh, I like that they're trying new things and and really starting to figure things out a little bit better. I I want to say it was our colleague Charlie Travers, uh, and apologies to Charlie if it was not, but I think it was Charlie who said earlier this year he was talking about Target. Because, to your point, in the wake of the data breach and just how horribly they bungled the communication of that, uh, and Greg Steinhoffel, the CEO, uh, so certainly getting a new CEO in the door uh, is is paying dividends, early dividends. But um, I think it was Charlie who was talking about uh, the stock getting industry interesting when it was in the mid fifties because he just sort of looked at it and said, "Wait a minute, this isn't a business that is." In any kind of massive decline, right. it's it's a challenging time for them right now, and if you know if you're if you're buying shares in the mid 50s, you're obviously happy that today it's somewhere in the low 70s. Um, what do you think? I think that Target. I, I I do. I think that Steinhoffel is going to be one heck of a year in review when he has to kind of go back and do an inventory of what happened. Right. Um, so yeah, good leadership or just a change in leadership can obviously make a big difference in the short run. And I think that you know that's that's certainly benefited Target here uh, towards the second half of the year. I you know I'm I'm a little bit concerned still with these retailers, these big box retailers like Target, Walmart not as much because of their global reach. Target though. Because it's smaller, uh, you know, we we are seeing the the advent of the same day shipping option that is is really starting to spread. And you see Amazon, Google, eBay, companies like that really starting to build out that infrastructure and figuring out how to crack that nut. That's where I think Target's going to face the biggest challenges here in the next you know three to five to ten years. Really, is is the growth in in e-commerce, the growth in mobile, and how these Tech companies that are also retailers are are sort of shaping that industry, and you're going to have your targets that are going to kind of have to follow the lead there, and 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 so that's where I'm a little bit hung up on on companies like that. I mean, I don't think it's something that's going to go the way of J.C. Penney. I think Target right. serves uh, as as a pretty good sort of anchor in, in a lot of uh, you know areas. But but I'm not sure that they have the opportunity really to grow that reach a whole heck of a lot from here. Yeah, I think it was back in February that Tim Hansen made the comment about Greg Steinhoffel, the former CEO at Target, and, and again this is in February. He said, "I think this guy has worst CEO of 2014 locked up. I know we still have, I know we still have ten months to go, but I think he's got it locked up." Uh, let's move over to the restaurant space, Jack in the Box. Fourth quarter profits lower than expected, but everything else looked pretty good, Jason. Um, for those unfamiliar, because uh, Mark and I were talking about this earlier, Jack in the Box is a national burger chain. Mm-hmm. It's just that most of them, uh, or the majority of them, are concentrated in California, Arizona, New Mexico. Uh, also, the parent company of Qdoba, they got a lot going well with the company right now. They do, yeah, and and, and I mean. 
not to take anything away from from the actual Jack in the Box restaurants, but really, I mean, this is to me, it's more the story of Qdoba and and the uh, the growth that it's providing. I mean, you got to put Jack back in the box and let these burritos run, baby. I mean, these <laughs> things are selling like hotcakes. Uh, th- those system wide comps up for Qdoba, they were up seven point seven percent. I mean, yeah. that doesn't sniff a Chipotle twenty percent number, right? But but that's still pretty significant, particularly when you compare that. To to the Jack in the Box numbers, which I think were a bit more anemic, somewhere in the one to two percent range. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of franchise operations there. I'm not a big fan of that when I'm looking at restaurants. I mean, it, it works in some cases, but we've had to see. You know, we've seen Jack in the Box have to refranchise a lot. So you see these sort of these one time or exclusive costs that, that, that apparently aren't supposed to recur. You want to kind of keep an eye out for that kind of stuff, particularly if a company's refranchising a lot, because those one-time costs start to happen more than once, and that can be a problem. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that Qdoba is the bigger opportunity of the tube, given the headwinds we sort of see in the fast food space. But it's it's good to see that they, you know, Jack and Box is expanding their menu, going after that breakfast opportunity, because that is a genuine opportunity out there. You see us you know, companies like Starbucks and uh, Taco Bell, you know, Yum Brands Taco Bell, chasing after that same opportunity as well. So, so that's a smart move on their part. Uh, but yeah, for me, this is more the Qdoba story than anything else. Let me go back to the comps for a second, because Qdoba, what was number 7.7%? 7.7 system-wide. Yep. So, part of the story here, and I think part of why we're seeing the stock up today, uh, was also the guidance, because when management was talking about guidance, so 7.7 comps on Qdoba, they're projecting in 2015 8 to 10% same store sale increases. The guidance for Jack in the Box was 1 to 2%, but this quarter, this actual quarter, 3.1%, which is which is pretty certainly McDonald's would give, you know, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> a couple of fingers off uh, one of their hands for <laughs> comps like that. Um, and part of part of that pop, Mark, mm. Uh, the better than expected same store sales numbers for Jack in the Box credit being given to the breakfast that mm-hmm. Jason touched on, but also their late night menu, which is apparently catching on. Let me tell you guys, forget everything you know about fast food, and let me tell you a little story. The story is called Munchy Meals. That is the name <laughs> of Jack in the Box's late night menu. It's only available between 9 p.m. and 5 a.m. Uh, they began selling, yeah, right, the best hours. For, and, and and that's how they're branding it, Munchy Meals. It is, they, they have fully embraced that image. So when you go to the restaurant during these hours, those are you, you still have the regular menu available, available, but they have these new things called the Munchy Meals, which are these boxes with uh, two tacos, half an order of curly fries, half an order of regular fries, a 20-ounce fountain drink, and the coup de gras, one of their main... Uh, meals is, for instance, loaded nuggets, which are chicken nuggets smothered in cheese sauce oh. with bits of bacon upon them. <laughs> oh, wait, there's more. There is, of course, the exploding cheesy chicken sandwich that is a chicken sandwich with mozzarella sticks on top of it, and those are smothered in cheese as well. But wait, I haven't told you about the stacked grilled cheese burger. It is literally a grilled cheese sandwich on top of a regular burger, and they just mush the two together. And gold just flows into the coffers, and it's these guys are selling these so well. It accounted for 15.3 percent of sales in fiscal 2013. Uh, it's a huge part of their of their day part now that no other fast food company is paying attention to. Now I know <laughs> because I get the emails. I know there are a, at least a couple of our listeners who think we spend a little too much time talking about food. Mm. Just for the sake of talking about food. But let's be clear. In this case, 
we're going through this munchie menu because this is having a material effect on the stock. It really is. And I would say we have... And and once again, this is yet another time where I want to be a fly on the wall in the board, you know, whether it's the boardroom or the executive meeting at Jack on the Box, when the idea is pitched... I have an idea of how we can capture the stoner market. I was just going to say that's been the <laughs> overarching question of 2014, right? Is how to play into the to the legalization of marijuana. And, and you know, these, there are a lot of speculative sort of pink sheet ideas out there. You want to play into sort of the second and third degree opportunities. I mean, this is it right here between the name of the menu and the and the offerings that they're throwing up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is a direct play, I think, into that market. And when you go by, I forgot to mention when you go to these restaurants after 9 p.m. The lighting has changed. They have like strobe lights and purple lights. Oh. Uh, they've got yeah. music playing over the loudspeakers. It's an it's an experience. I haven't yet tried it myself, but maybe when we go out to San Jose and check out the Osh robots, like uh, f- we can ha- we can have some munchie meal as well. Like a visine and an incense bar right <laughs> up there at the front of the store. Radio at full.com is our email address. Uh, listeners weighing in on our conversation the other day about the Internet of Things and how it's really just kind of a lame term. Uh, from Todd uh, Pare, I think I'm pronouncing that, or, or Pear. Sorry, Todd, I'm, I'm botching your last name. Uh, as far as the term Internet of Things, it really is a meaningless phrase. The company I work for uses the term smart connected products. Uh, Todd works for a publicly traded software company called PTC. From Chip Mattis, how about Macronet? And from Michael Palmer in St. Louis, Missouri, how about we just call it what it is? The Matrix. <laughs> ah, that has a nice catchy ring to it. All three good ones. Yeah. Keep them coming. Radio at full.com. Mark Reef, Jason Moser. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Rick Engdahl. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 